So yeah, as I was saying, I'm really looking forward to next week at the Fab Worlds of Anderson in Leicester. Chance to meet some of our listeners, uh, maybe get some feedback. And of course, doing the podcast live on the Saturday means a live randomizer as well. And what's that? Oh, I wish you could be there too. Yeah, I, I, I know a lot of people would like to meet you and it's really a shame that you can't be there. What's that? You'd play your xylophone to them. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's relevant or not. Anyway, your friend. Um, do you think he's done making his selection on the randomizer now? Oh, here he comes. <coughs> Hello there, sweet. Have you made your selection on the randomizer? <coughs> okay. What series is it? <coughs> oh, you're gonna make me guess. Okay. Uh, is it Thunderbirds? <coughs> no, it's not Thunderbirds, sooty. Uh, is it Stingray? <coughs> nah, it's not Stingray. Um. Is it Captain Scarlet? No, it's not Captain Scarlet. Um, are you going to make me go through the whole list of Jerry Anderson shows to find out what you've picked? Oh, good. Is is it UFO? So is it? It's not Torchy, is it? Oh, thank goodness. Um. Well, I guess that only really leaves. It is the Protectors. Okay, right. Got there in the end. So what episode is it? Oh, no, 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 no. There are 51 episodes, please. We can't go through the whole lot like this. Just tell me which episode of The Protectors it is we're watching today. Yes? Yes? The Big Hit. Sweep says it's the big hit today. You know, Sweep, you could have saved everybody a lot of time by just saying that right up front. It's no wonder I'm not taking either of you to Leicester next week. So here we go with our second visit to The Protectors. This is our uh, first visit to the first season of The Protectors. And uh, yeah, last time around with The Protectors we had Decoy, which I didn't feel I did a very good job on. So uh, feeling a bit more confident about the uh, about the big hit today. It's a first season episode and... Uh, and for, for other reasons as well, which I'll get into maybe a bit later on. But for right now we have this opening where the Contessa is in her villa, fencing with um, some guy who looks like uh, Derek Farr, but probably isn't. I must apologise, Contessa. I can't imagine It'll give me time to recover my breath. You can take it in the main hall. And he's been called away by the telephone. Well, Chino, what do you think? Am I improving? Ah, oh, well, Contessa, fencing is an Italian art, and you're English. But I do know that Signor Vitello thinks you have no more to learn. <laughs> Flattery, Chino. That is the Italian art, and you have lived here too long. Oh, Contessa. I like Anthony Chin in this. Uh, I don't think he's quite like, all all the way there in in terms of like the acting, but it's it's a Vitello. a nice sort of companion to uh, to the Contessa, who incidentally is now being attacked by uh, what she thinks is her fencing partner. He's actually trying to kill her. This is a very nicely choreographed uh, fight scene here. And they're both now fighting with uh, foils without the tips on the end. Uh, unfortunately, we've also got a fairly uh, unbelievable stunt double from Irie Dawn Porter in some of the long shots. Which is weird because she, she often seems very capable in the fight scenes. I'm not sure... Why they would always, why why they would use a stunt double for this scene when she's doing so much of the fighting in close up herself anyway? 
Yeah, but now her stunt double is defeated. Who sent you? The imposter, because it's not the guy who, who went to answer the phone. And he's just come back in, and the other guy has left via the window. And the contestant's just pouting because there's no way she could, like, uh, go after him. He's all of four feet away. In fact, he had to run past another window to get away from the house. She could have probably beaten him to that window and uh, opened it into his face or something. But never mind. Can't be helped. Now, one of the reasons I think I'm, I'm on safer ground with this one, firstly, is the first season has generally been been repeated more often, I think, than the second. Uh, just recently with ITV4 repeating The Protectors, it took a long time for them to get to the second season. But also, a lot of the European-based episodes, they just kind of blur into one for me. Um, it's this long... Just, just, just one long episode of nice, bright, sunny places and... Um, drug dealery, gun runnery, kidnappery type plots that that aren't really unique enough to to be all that memorable. But with this, because it's based in London, I just, it may be a personal thing entirely, I just have a stronger memory of these UK-based episodes for some reason. I'm not sure why that is. Anyway, Paul is now romancing a uh, young lady in his apartment. Oh, getting a bit of the older kissy-kissy here. Didn't take him long, of course. If I hadn't broken the heel of my shoe... As I was leaving the office... I'd never have met them. And talked. Sounds a bit convenient. Suspiciously convenient. So now Paul has, uh, has fallen asleep because the naughty lady has drugged his drink. It's now time for her to reach into her purse, pull out... Oh, a gun! But Paul wasn't asleep! If there's one thing I know, it's the flavour of Normandy Calvados. But you drank it? Mm-mm. You did. Ah, that'll show you. That'll show you, naughty lady. Yeah, that's, that's a very... Uh, not only a, a, a trope that's kind of a, a running theme in this show, but in Anderson shows of like you know, Thunderbirds and, and similar where people know their uh, their expensive tastes. They've got their expensive tastes, they know exactly the the flavour of expensive drinks and all these kinds of things. So Caroline warned Paul that there was an assassination plot on her life. Over at Harry's place, Suki has just gone to answer the phone. And there's two guys there, she's beaten them up with uh, ease, but... Uh, Oh, she wasn't counting on one of them standing up again and pulling a gun on her. Oh. Still no answer from his line. Silly suit. I want to know who sent you and I want to know why! Are you offering me a deal? No deal. And yet you expect me to talk? <gasps> no, Miss Blonde Lady. But no, I don't think we're not so. going to kill you. You're old enough to know the score. Go back to the man who sent you and tell him you didn't quite make it. He'll ask how much you collected to let Paul off the hook. Then he'll put out a new contract for murder with your name at the top. Now, see yourself out. So Caroline and Paul are going to let Paul's would-be assassin lady go, knowing that she'll probably earn the wrath of the guy who sent her to kill him in the first place. Who is it? I don't know his name. We met at a bar in London. So this episode, 
I think is a very has a very strong central theme. It's something that these ITC shows, not necessarily the Anderson shows, but things like The Saint and The Persuaders and 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 similar shows, very rarely did. And whenever they did, it was it always worked really well. Brian Clements called it attacking the premise. If you're going to write a story for a particular series, write a script that actually examines the setup of the series. Don't just don't just do a generic like cops and robbers type thing that any show could do. And in this episode we have the central idea is that someone is out to to wreck the entire protectors network, killing off all the agents one by one. Suki, what happened? Which what I think is, is really, really strong idea. Hostage. He had no choice. And also what makes it even more effective is that Robert Vaughan is is out of it for quite a long time. He's been kidnapped by this odd fellow who, um... Just tell the others to hold on a moment. Who runs a, a swimwear agency. Morning, Mr. Rule. And he's taking time out Rule. from examining, um... Well, I call you Harry? Swimsuit-wearing ladies Sorry, to... Boys, to chat to his, uh... You can't hear me, Mr. Rule. His hostage. I can hear you. Good. We know not yet where he is. Of the whole protector organization. Think it over. I'll contact you later for your answer. You can have it now. Negative. So, all we know is Harry is inside something wooden, and we're hearing the noise of machinery. And it's a bit wobbly. More on that story later. But for now, Mr. Swimwear Factory Kidnapper Protector Takedown Plot Guy is going back to. Examining models wearing swimsuits. In the last week, two protectors have died. One in a car crash in Tokyo, the other on a case in New York. Yes, I know. Put it all together. And Why did you tell me? Because whoever it is is after the whole protectors organization. Uh-huh. Now leave yet on your phony Italian. And it's also, going back to the, the central idea of the story, it was very rare that the show even acknowledged that the protectors amounted to more than the three main characters. There was... I think through the first season we occasionally saw protectors, I think there was one in Greece, um, who was in a couple of episodes, and Robert Vaughan's business partner played another protector in, in a couple of episodes as well, but by and large it just seemed like there were these three people. I think you better check to see if it's arrived. And there was never really any clear explanation what the rest of the network actually did what their responsibilities were. By the second series, I think that idea had just largely been shelved in favour of, yeah, absolutely just these three. Which is kind of a shame. I, I like the sort of... I like, obviously, the global... the global filming aspect of The Protectors, but I also would have loved to have seen a bit more focus on what the organisation actually was, maybe how it had been set up... Just a bit more information than the, to be fair, almost nothing that we got. Oh, we had them from all over the world. Where'd you come from? Paris. Here, you see this one here with the Eiffel Tower? It's from my hometown. Came this morning. Thank you for explaining. They forgot to sign it. (laughs) So Paul has now arrived in the... uh, the bar where his would-be assassin said she met um, the guy who hired her. One or two factories. Hmm. Well, thank you. Some information. Thank you, sir. And I know 
uh, Tony Anhock comes in for a lot of stick for the second season of Space 1999. To be honest, I don't, I don't really understand the hatred against him personally. I understand that people maybe don't like um, Tony Vadeshi as a character because sometimes he can be a bit sort of. Um, you know his comedy beer brewing antics are just just dreadful. But Tony Anholt is a really, a really nice. What is it? A, a really, really talented actor, I think, in, in shows like this. And it's nice that the series would occasionally mix up who who was actually who got the starring role that week because we have three main characters. Sometimes it would be Harry and the Contessa, and sometimes it would be Harry and Paul, and sometimes it would be the Contessa and Paul. Um, usually it was all three of them, but it was nice when they mixed things up a bit, like ha like they have here. Oh, so someone's just trying to run Paul down, and that is actually Tony Anholt doing his own stunts. He just leapt out of the way of that car into those uh, into those boxes and bins, and then leapt up a drainpipe, and it's all him. You fool! You're no better than a girl. Oh, Mr. Underwear Man is not happy. He looks like he's about to cry. I wonder what Robert, what Robert Vaughan actually thought of this script, though, to be honest, because I think it was quite an early episode made, and it's like, you know, we've brought over this big American star to star in our show. What are we going to do with him this week? Oh, we'll lock him in a crate and just kind of rock him around a bit. Maybe he was having some time off. I don't know. It must have been a very hectic shooting schedule for, for a show like this. It's a pity that I didn't see the driver who tried to run me down. But I didn't. So that's why I need you with me, my little Suzanne. As bait. And meanwhile, the Contessa is uh, carefully positioned on the other side of the club. Keeping watch on Paul and his uh, lady-killer friend. Will you excuse me for a moment? This heat is getting to my makeup. Don't be long or I'll come looking for you. Ooh. And this isn't a trap at all. This isn't a, a ploy of some description. Just let your your um the, the only person who has any information about what's going on here just wander off. Believe me, he forced me to bring him here. You sent the card, the signal. He sent it. I had no choice. I don't think she made much of a her explanation made much of an impact on the the two grey suited black tied henchmen there. Now the Contessa is going out to check on things. You mean we've lost her? I mean we've been double-crossed by the only lead we have. Oh, and sitting there doing nothing seemed like such a really good plan. Oh, and she's dead. Oh, yeah, better move her head around. Yep, definitely dead. This is another area I think the protector scores highly over things like the Champions and the Parmenes as well, is all this location filming. We've got a proper nighttime chase scene here. Also a man in a pink shirt who walked into shot, realised he was on camera and then didn't know what to do. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry man in pink shirt, your your moment of indecision is forever captured on film. Now the baddies have arrived at the swimwear factory. I don't really know what this guy is actually hoping to to get out of all this. Specifically how the whole him running a swimwear factory kind of plays into things. I mean, that's... I don't know. I'll give you five minutes to reconsider. He's not very effective at getting information out of Harry, whatever whatever he's... Whatever his, his ultimate goal is. You know, a lot of sitting on a settee, just kind of pouting when, when Harry doesn't tell him things. I've given him five minutes. 
Start at precisely 11.15. And this time, don't stop. Oh. He's passed on instructions. They have to start. We still don't know what it is, because we still don't quite know where Harry is. But Caroline and Paul have arrived at the underwear factory. And they're going to try and break in. Uh, and now we have a... We've just panned out from a close-up on the face of a, a naked female mannequin who has... Uh, Surprisingly detailed um, uh, in the old chess department. Straight ahead. And Caroline and Paul have been captured. Oh no, Chino's come to save the day. Look for Harry. Yeah, we were doing that. Oh, okay. Paul and Chino are going to handle the two guys in the uh, the mannequin storeroom. While Mr. Swimwear. Harry! Oh. You're just going to run around calling his name. Harry! Well, my dear Contessa. My first failure. I never really did approve the Italian fencing idea. Too showy. I would have thought so. Too showy for a man who invites women into his office to model swimwear. I think you're less a failure, more temporary setback. <laughs> yes, I'm very glad you decided to come, Contessa. You see, it'll make things very much easier for me. Oh, I should hate to be responsible for that. Your friend Harry is a very uh, stubborn man. Also something I like about mixing up the... You know, how many characters, how many of the three main characters get to appear in an episode is... Very often, Nairi Dawn Porter gets to take the lead, and whenever that happens, it's always really good. She's always really watchable. She seems... Not only does she seem sort of, you know, cultured and cool in the same way that a live-action Lady Penelope might be, she seems kind of dangerous, and in scenes like this when she's sort of taunting the bad guys... You mean they finally got together to agree on something? She's she's really quite, quite charming. ...systematic destruction of your protector network. So there we go. All the baddies in the world have teamed up to destroy the protectors, because the protectors... Um, whatever it is that they do, which varies from week to week, is a threat to to swimwear company-owning gentlemen like this. It's nice to hear a friendly voice. Who's just tripped over his own feet and Caroline's taken his gun. I think I'm packed in a packing case, probably underneath the steam hammer. Where are you holding him? You're too late. It's 11 o'clock, or 11.15, or whenever it was that he said to start. She's locked in a battle with Swimwear Man, who has just been shot by Paul. Yay, Paul. You okay? Oh, yes, I'm fine. Oh, whoa, whoa. You don't do that. You don't do that with a loaded gun. Yeah. Caroline just pointed it at her own head. Yeah. Have you any idea where you are? No. Um, what, what film was it in that, that someone did that? Oh, Plan 9. Yeah, someone's, Plan 9's from out of space. Someone's there with a loaded gun, and they just keep scratching their heads with it. It's like, you don't do that. It's there or there. looking out the window and they can see over the other side of the train tracks there's a crane with a wooden crate that's being banged against the, the wall of a warehouse. We'll never make it in time. Gino. He's going to be bashed to death. He's the crane operator to be fair looks like he's having the time of his life. Luckily the protectors have brought a snap together sniper rifle. So Paul is now aiming his sights on the uh, Crane operator, who still seems to be having the time of his life. 
that's him dead. Somehow they shot him through the window of the cab without breaking the glass. Because they're the protectors, and they can do that kind of thing. Harry, are you all right? Yeah. Nothing that a good orthopedic surgeon and three months on the critical list won't cure. Will someone get me out of here? We're on our way. And that's it. Harry has been saved. He's still stuck in the box, but we'll assume that the, uh, the other protectors managed to get him out of there without too many complications. And that was the big hit. Um, I, I really rather like that one. Again, a, a nice sort of focus. Oh, they misspelled assassin on the end titles there. Um, a nice focus on the protectors organisation itself. Maybe more of that would have been good. A slightly odd villain who didn't really do much, but um, yeah, I really rather enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs>